Amen. Let me say one more time, it's been good today to have Brother Caleb Gordon with us today. If you didn't hear this morning, he's from Birmingham, Alabama. That's his home, grew up there, still resides there. And it's so good to have him uh, in, our, in our church with us. We've got a wonderful, wonderful message this morning. And I'm just looking forward to what God has in store for us tonight. How about you? Brother Caleb, come on and give us what the Lord has given you. Amen. I want to say it's so good to be here with you again this evening. I want to say again, thank you so much, Pastor Rindy, for allowing me to come this morning and also tonight as well. And I want to tell you, Pathway Ministries, Pathway Church, thank you so much for making me and also my two kids feel welcomed. Amen. They really enjoyed their time in Children's Church this morning. Uh, this afternoon, we went swimming and relaxed for a little bit. I want to tell you, thank you so much for your giving here tonight and this morning. I really appreciate it. It just helps me to continue to do the work that God has called me to do. Amen. And here tonight, if you didn't have anything to give, I pray that you just, I ask that you just continue just to pray for me and uh, my ministry and for my kids, and I'll be praying for you. Uh, tomorrow morning, we'll be leaving the hotel, taking my kids to Memphis, Tennessee, to the Children's Museum. And we're just going to have a ball there. Then after they get tired and worn out, and I know they'll sleep the way home, then we'll leave to, to go back to Alabama. Amen. Amen. Be parenting, you learn as you go. <laughs> Amen. But I want to say it's been just a delight to be here. And one other thing I want to say, um, you know, it's really phenomenal that y'all came back tonight. You're supporting your youth as they go to Scene Talent. I want to tell you it's always phenomenal to see young people that are using their talents in the house of God and using them for God. Yeah. Amen. Teen Talent, I went one time just to watch. <laughs> Amen. I cannot sing or, or, or play, and I think now they've added a Bible trivia to it. So if I was a teenager again, maybe I could go for that reason. But I was nev never able to go otherwise. But I want to say it's just been a delight to be here with you tonight. And if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. I'm going to, read, I'm going to begin reading at verse 39. This is a word that the Lord gave me back in April and I feel led to share it with you here tonight. Luke chapter 23, beginning at verse 39, I'll be reading to you out of the King James Version. And one of the male factors which hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Though not thou fear God, seeing thou are the same condemnation, and we indeed justly, for we receive the due award of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. And it was about the sixth hour, and there was a darkness over all the earth, until the ninth hour. Notice with me that there are two thieves, two criminals, hanging on either side of Jesus. Jesus being in the middle on the cross. One is mocking him, and the other one is saying, remember me when you come into thy kingdom. I want to talk to you here tonight about your perception of Jesus and how do you view him. If you would, please bow your heads with me. Lord Jesus, I pray that you have your way here tonight. 
Lord, I pray that you will touch and encourage your people. Lord, I pray that you will touch every person here tonight. Lord, I pray that you will touch those that were unable to be here tonight. And Lord, I pray that most of all that we will glorify and magnify and lift up the name of Jesus everywhere we go and all that we do. Lord, I pray that here tonight that we will have the correct perception of you. And Lord Jesus, I pray that when the world looks at us as Christians, that they will have the correct perception of your son, Jesus Christ. In your mighty name, Jesus, we ask and we pray, have your way here tonight, Lord. Amen. Amen. Perception. Perception is how you view something or how you see someone. Years ago, a co-worker of mine working in the hospital, we would work the graveyard shift. We would work from 9 p.m. or 8.30 at night all the way until 7 a.m. in the morning. Me and him had two different types of mentalities. Mine was simply, let's go ahead and get the work done. Let's get the job done so then we can relax and take it easy. However, his, I, his mentality was a lot different than mine. His mentality was, let's let all of this work pile up, and so when day shift walks in at the last minute, we'll jump up and we'll catch up on all the work. And I asked him one time, I said, why do you do that? You know good and well we can have all this done by 1.30 or 2 a.m. in the morning, and we can sit back and take it easy. Why do you wait to the very last minute to try to get all this stuff done when you know day shift is starting to walk in? And his response to me was, he said, Caleb, perception is everything. Now, of course, my co-worker, his, his thought of perception was a little warped there because simply he was waiting to do the job when people could see him. But however, here tonight, your perception matters, and most of all, your perception of Jesus Christ is important. It is crucial living in the last days how you view Jesus and how do you really see him. For can I tell you that a lot of people see Jesus differently than you and I? I can remember one time talking to a lady at the grocery store. I was trying to witness to her, and she told me that she was a Wicca, and she was involved with witchcraft. And one thing she told me, she said, Caleb, I believe that Jesus was a real man. I believe that he lived and he died. But however, I don't believe that he resurrected from the dead three days later. I don't believe he was a son of God. And then she said this one. She said to me, I believe that Jesus was just another good man in history like God. But can I tell you here tonight, friends, that my perception of Jesus is far different than hers. To me, he is the son of God. He is the savior, the master of the wind, the creator of the universe. He is my friend, but something much more than that. He is the Lord of Lord and the king of kings. He is the master of my life. How do you see him? Here it is, you have two different criminals hanging on this cross moments before their death. They both know the same things about Jesus, but however, they both view him in two different ways. They have different perceptions of him. One of them is mocking him, saying, Jesus, if you're really the Christ, save yourself, but not only yourself, but us as well. But the other one says, when, thy, when you come into thy kingdom, Lord, remember me. See, friends, I want to tell you here living in the last days that your perception is important how do you view Jesus 
Maybe at one time you believed that he was the son of God and you believed that he was in control and now all of a sudden because of the way that things are going on in the world, whether it's in Washington, whether it's on the other part of the world, maybe your perception has changed. But I want to remind somebody here tonight that God was the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. He still sits on the throne. He still answers to nobody. And one day he's coming back for a church. He's coming back for a remnant of people that are looking for him. People that are still worshiping him. People that still believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Can I tell you that we cannot allow what's going on in the world to change our perception of him? I don't care what the media says. I don't even care what a backsliding preacher may say. I want to tell you here today that my perception of Jesus is found in the word of God and in the word of God alone. Can I just give you for a moment my perception of who Jesus is according to the Bible? In Genesis, he's the creator. In Exodus, he's the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he's the high priest. In Numbers, he's a cloud by day and a fire by night. In Joshua, he's the commander of a great army. In Ruth, he's a kingsman redeemer. In Isaiah, he's a suffering servant. He is Emmanuel, translated, which means God with us. In Jeremiah, he's a weeping prophet. In Psalms, he's a shepherd. In Proverbs, he's wisdom. In Micah, he casts our sins into the depths of the sea, and he removes our transgressions from us as far as from the east is to the west and Daniel he's the fourth man in the fire can I tell you here tonight then his equal he's a son of man in Ecclesiastes he's preacher in the song of Solomon he is the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley if you flip over in the New Testament in the four gospels he is born of the virgin Mary conceived of the Holy Ghost in John 1 29 he's the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world in Mark he gave his life as a ransom for many in other words he did not come to be served but he came to serve in Ephesians he's the mediator between man and God. In Philippians chapter 2, Jesus thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but gave up his deity form, taken upon the form of a servant, and he died an awful death, yes, even by the way of the cross. In Colossians, he reconciled all things to himself and made peace by the way of the cross. In Thessalonians, he's coming back for his church. And in Revelation 1 and 18, he is he that liveth and was dead, and he's alive forevermore, and he has the keys of death, hell, and the grave. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end the line of Judah the Lord of Lord the King of Kings my friends I want to tell you here tonight that your perception of Jesus matters how do you view the Son of God if you really want to know who Jesus is you cannot find out who he is for yourself by reading about him in a book outside of the Bible you cannot do it by, by watching the history channel but what you gotta do is get along with the word of God and allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to you, reveal to you who he is who is Jesus to you how do you view him there was a Samaritan woman by the well and Jesus walked up to her and he asked her for a drink of water her being a Samaritan, she was thinking to himself, who is this man being a Jew to ask me of a drink of water? And Jesus said to her, that if you drink of this water, you'll thirst again. But if you drink of the water that I have, you will never thirst again. And her perception of him changed. In Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 16, Peter has his confession of faith. 
Jesus asked his disciples one day, he said, who do men say that I am? They respond and they say, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, some Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And then Jesus, he turns the question on them and he said, but who do you say that I am? And that's when Peter spoke up and he said, thou art the Christ, the living son of God. How do you view him for yourself? Who is he to you? Most of you heard my testimony this morning, but I met one person today that had to work this morning, so I want to share it again for those of you to hear again and for some of you to hear it the first time. I was born a crack baby, meaning that my biological mother, she did drugs when she was pregnant with me. When I was born, I was having seizures every 30 seconds, and as a result of it, the doctor said I would never walk, never talk. They said I'd be mentally retarded. Two people by the name of Benny and Patty Gordon were foster parents. They had two kids of their own, and one day they had felt led to, uh, to become foster parents, and they went to the Gadsden Hospital where I was born, and they took me in trying to find a home for me. Most foster kids they could find a home for in two to three months, but me, because of my health problems, they had me for over over two years and finally one day they decided to adopt me they gave me their last name they didn't care the fact that they were older had two kids of their own they didn't care the fact that they didn't have the resources of the money they didn't care the fact of what anybody else said they didn't care the fact that I'm black and that they're white simply they did what God told them to do and I've always asked myself can I just be totally open and transparent here tonight without you being offended I've asked myself the question. Actually, I asked God this question one time. I asked God, God, why me? And understand, I wasn't mad when I asked it, but I said, God, here it is, I'm black. Why did you put me in an all-white family where everybody looks different than me? And then I asked him this question. I want to tell you here tonight, I am Church of God, not by some accident, but I believe that God put me here. And I asked God, I said, God, why am I in a predominantly white denomination, at least in my state of Alabama? And he gave me perception to my answer. Years ago, my 25th birthday, I, I spent that weekend in Louisville, Kentucky, preaching Sunday morning, Sunday night at a church. There was a lady sitting on the second row behind the pastor and his wife. And as I began preaching, she folded her arms kind of like this. And I'm thinking to myself, you can tell she's ready to get out of this place. Well, anyways, I just kept on preaching. And when I, and that day, I preached a message titled, Stayed Focused on the Mission. Basically, just talking about keeping your eyes on Jesus and staying focused on what he called you to do. Anyways, I give the altar call, and that was the sermon I was preaching. And this lady bolts for me as I give the altar. She literally gets out of her seat and she sprints to me. And she comes up to me. She says, Caleb, I need you to forgive me. I'm thinking to myself, I'm from Alabama. I'm in Kentucky. Never met this woman in my life. And I asked her, I said, ma'am, what do I need to forgive you of? And she said, Caleb, she said, I've been a racist all of my life. And she said, the moment you started preaching, I didn't want to hear anything you had to say just because you're black. She said, but here this morning, God changed my heart. He saved my soul, and I want to give you a hug. See, God gave me an answer to my question. Right there is perception. God told me, said, Caleb, through your testimony and through things like that, I'm going to use you to reach people that nobody else would reach. My friends, I want to tell you here today, you must keep your perception in order 
and realize that God has a purpose and a plan for your life. One person in the Bible, one of my favorite people in the Bible is Joseph. Joseph kept the correct perception. Here it is when you think about his story. It's a very challenging story. He is his father's youngest son. He is his father's favorite son. And because of the favoritism and his, and his dad making him a coat or a tunic of many color, colors, the Bible says that his brothers hated him. One day, they have this idea to throw him into a pit. They wanted to kill him. But Reuben, being one of the brothers, spoke up and he said, brothers, let's not kill him. So what they do, they take his coat of many colors, they tear it apart, they take a small goat, they kill it, they take the blood from it, they put it all over the coat, they take it back to their father and they tell him, they said, a wild beast has killed your son. They then sell Joseph as a slave and he goes to Egypt. I believe the hardest part for Joseph was not the fact he's being sold as a slave, but the fact he's being separated from his father that he loved so much. He then goes to Egypt. He lands in Potiphar's house. Potiphar was very good to Joseph. Potiphar took care of him. Potiphar's wife one day, she tried to get Joseph to lay down in bed with her, but Joseph being the righteous man of God that he was, he said no, and he fled from her presence. Potiphar gets home, his wife lies on Joseph, and the Bible says that Potiphar being fierce, he throws Joseph into the prison. So here it is now, Joseph has done nothing wrong, he's been sold as a slave, his father thinks he's dead, and now he's been thrown in prison based off of a woman's lie. He then begins hearing about two people that had offended Pharaoh that were cast into the prison. One was a baker and one was a butler. They were having dreams but they could not interpret these dreams. Not only was Joseph a dreamer, but he was also, God allowed him to interpret dreams as well. Well, Joseph interprets the dreams and he tells one of them he said that three days from now you will be restored in the palace. The other one I'm sure being excited thinking that he's about to have his dream interpreted as well. He tells him three days from now they're going to kill you just as Joseph said one was restored to the palace and the other one was killed was put to death all of a sudden, a couple years go by, Pharaoh begins having dreams. Pharaoh is calling everyone into his court, calling everyone into his palace, trying to find somebody to interpret the dream, and no one can do it. And then that's when the butler speaks up, and he says, I remember a young Hebrew boy in the prison that was able to interpret dreams. Pharaoh says, go and get him and bring him here. And so then Joseph, uh, Pharaoh begins to explain the dream, and Joseph tells him, he said, you're having two different dreams. He said, the first dream is going to be seven years of plentiful, meaning there'll be more than enough food, but then the second, the second dream is going to be seven years of famine, and there won't be enough food for everybody in the land. And Pharaoh, he said, where can I find somebody with the spirit of God like this? I want to ask you here tonight, even though you may be going through trials, going through tribulations, when people look at your life, can they still see that you're a man of God? Can they still see that you're a woman of God? I want to tell you, no matter what you're going through here tonight that if you will remain a man of God a woman of God if you will be righteous be a person of integrity you will have the favor of God on your life but because Joseph had the favor of God on his life and he was a righteous man Pharaoh places Joseph in charge 
Seven years of plentiful comes, just as Joseph said, he's collecting food, doing all that he can, and then seven years of famine. During the seven years of famine, here comes his brothers. Why? Because they were coming to buy food. They could not buy food. And so it's a long story, but anyways, toward the end of the story, Joseph finally reveals himself to his brothers. They did not know who he was, but he knew who there was. And the Bible says that they had they held their heads down. And Joseph, being a person of perspective, being a righteous godly man, he told him, he said, I'm not here because you sent me here, but I'm here because God sent me here. And I got to thinking about that. I'm not here where I'm at today in life because anything my biological mother did, drugs or not, but I'm exactly where I'm at because this is where God wants me to be. I want to tell somebody here tonight, maybe you think that you are where you are in life because of something your parents did or something unfair or something bad done to you but can I tell you that God can work all things good to your will can I tell you here tonight that you're not here by some accident or some coincidence but I want to tell you the Bible says that the Lord orders the steps of a righteous man I want to tell you that God's got a purpose and a plan all you got to do is keep the correct perspective in mind There was another man in the Bible that kept the correct perspective. And this is another one of my favorite characters, a man by the name of Paul. Paul would, if he was alive today, he would not understand the prosperity gospel because his life was contrary to that. Paul, let me read to you some of the things this great man of God did, or went through, I mean, went through. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-four through 28. Of the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with a rod. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked a night and a day. I've been in the deep and journeys often in perils of waters and perils of robbers and perils of my own countrymen and perils of the heathen and perils in the city and perils in the wilderness and perils in the sea and in perils among false brethren and weariness and in painfulness and watchings often and hunger and thirst and fastings often in cold and nakedness beside all those things listen to this part beside all those things without that which come upon me daily the care of all the churches here it is you had a man that went through hell on earth why just because he wanted to preach the gospel because he wanted to be a light in the darkness first he went to the Jews the Jews didn't want to hear it they didn't reject Paul they were rejecting Jesus so then Paul he decided to go to the Gentiles and preach the gospel but my friends I want to tell you through it all he didn't throw a pity party he didn't get mad at God didn't give up on God he never one time said God forget this whole thing give it to somebody else let somebody else deal with it but he said no I'm gonna keep on keeping on because I know that my life is not my own my friends I want to tell you here today when you got the correct perspective you will realize and understand yes God loves you yes God blesses you not everybody's gonna have a mansion not everybody's gonna have a thousand a hundred thousand dollars in the bank not everybody's gonna have a big salary but i want to tell you here today that if jesus christ is the lord of your life if he saved your soul he's done more than enough for you perspective god let us never lose our perspective of why we are here on this earth to worship the lord and to tell everybody about him.
Can I tell you here tonight that I share my testimony unashamedly? Something that is crazy to me, there have been people that have came to me, not, not, not at this church, but there have been people before that have walked up to me and they say, Caleb, are you really adopted by a white family? Is what you said about your testimony really true? In case any of you were doubting here tonight, it's all true. My God is a good God. But do you want to know why some people have a hard time believing my testimony? Not about the part about me being adopted, but about the part that the doctor said I would never walk and talk. Because some people have lost their perspective and they don't really believe that God can do miracles anymore. But my friends, if he could do it back then, he can do it today. My Bible says that the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells inside of you. My friends, we are running out of time. Jesus is going to come back one day. Of course, the Bible says that no man knows the day nor the hour. But can I remind you here tonight that we are not called by God to hide behind four walls and talk about how bad the world is, but we are called to be light. We are called to be salt. We are to go out in the highways and the byways and compel them to come in. We are called to tell everybody about Jesus. I know that some people they'll say, well, Caleb, I want to tell people, but I'm just shy. Can I tell you the truth about myself here tonight? I'm a quiet person. I'm shy. I'm soft-spoken. You can't really tell it, but the only reason I am the way I am when I stand up to preach it's because years ago when I was 17 God baptized me with the Holy Ghost I want to tell you here tonight what you need is to be baptized in the Holy Ghost maybe you were 20 30 40 years ago but if the river hasn't been flowing for a long time can I tell you here tonight the river of Pentecost is still flowing all you got to do is come and jump in it jump in the river one time again let God move in your life Friends, I believe here tonight that the best has yet to come. Do you believe that here tonight? I believe here tonight that your best days and your blessed days for Pathway are not in the past, but they're in the future. There's still more people that God's wanting you to reach. But we must keep the correct perspective in mind. Think about Jesus' perspective. Jesus has always been around. He's a member of the Trinity. He's a member of the Godhead. Before anything ever existed, he was. Jesus knew that when he left heaven and come to earth, he knew that many would reject him. He knew that many would not follow him. As a matter of fact, in John chapter 6, when he spoke a hard word, many of his disciples left him and followed him no more. And then he looks to the 12. And you would think Jesus would say something like, that a boy for following me or good job. You know what he does when many of his disciples left him? He looks at the 12 and he says, are you offended as well? And then the second question he asked him, will you leave also? My friends, we've come too far to turn back now. I made my mind up when I was 15 years old and God called me to the ministry. Lord, no matter what, I'll never give up on you. Jesus said, a man 
that puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of heaven. Another thing that Peter said to Jesus, Lord, to who will we go to? We've left all and forsaken all to follow you. Doubting Thomas so many times when we think about him, we just simply think about how he said that he would not believe until he saw Jesus, until he saw the nail prints in his hand. But one thing that I love about Thomas, remember the story of Lazarus. Lazarus was sick. He dies. Jesus gets the word and he weeps. And then all of a sudden Jesus is going to go to the city in which Lazarus was buried in, in the tomb. And I love what Thomas said. He said, let us go and die with him. There's now a couple of people look at that a few different ways, but the way that I look at it is simply he's saying, Jesus, you're going to get yourself killed by going to that city, but let us go with him. My friends, I made up my mind a long time ago. God, whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, I'm going to share my testimony one time, two times, three times. I'm going to tell everybody until they know that my God is alive and able, until people know that the resurrected king has resurrected me. I'm going to tell everybody about his goodness, his grace, his mercy, and I'm going to tell everybody my God still sits on the throne. I'll share this with you. I'm getting ready to close. I don't preach the same sermons often. I just do it purely as I felt led. I preached the same sermon at my home church a couple months ago, Pleasant Grove Church of God. And in sharing my sermon about who my, what my perception is of Jesus Christ, when I gave the altar call, a young lady that was 12 years old walked down to the altar her perception of Jesus changed as she gave her life to him. Amen. Can I tell you here tonight, people's perception of Jesus will come when they look at you. Paul said it like this. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. Paul said that he was an ambassador. An ambassador is a representative My friends, we are all called to represent the kingdom of God and represent it in such a way that when people look at us, they may say, I've tried church before, but I see that this is the real thing. Amen. Could I have my sister come to the keyboard, please? Friends, I want to tell you here tonight that God is a good God. Perspective on David and Goliath. So many times people like to think that we're David and I can understand why I put themselves in David's shoes because we face so many obstacles and because we're always facing different giants. But can I tell you here tonight, if you would, please stand. We are not David and David is not us. David is Christ. Goliath is the devil. And we were the Israelites in need of a great savior. John 14 and 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. None can come to the Father but except through the Son. My friends, the Bible says in Isaiah that our righteousness is as filthy rags before the Lord. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 
Romans 3.10 says, there are none that are righteous, no, not one. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 4 that we have a high priest that was not touched with our infirmities. But he has passed into the heavens. Let us come before the throne of grace boldly. My friends, I don't know about you here tonight, but I need grace. Amen. Aren't you so thankful? We are called to be holy because God said, be holy as I am holy. But I'm so thankful that God gave me a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance, a fifth chance. I know some of you didn't need it, but honestly, here tonight, I needed a sixth chance. But can I tell you here tonight that maybe you've been backsliding, maybe you've not been as close with the Lord as you want to be. Maybe everything is going great and wonderful if you walk with him, but you just want to be closer. The Bible says the book of James, draw near to him and he'll draw near to you. My friends, that's a promise. Here tonight, I want to invite you to come to the altar. For those of you that feel comfortable, whatever the need is here tonight, God already knows. But here tonight, we all stay so busy, so much going on. And if you feel comfortable, I want to ask you all just to get out of your seats. To come spend some time in the altar seeking him. And allow God to give you the right perspective. If yours has been warped a little bit. Here tonight, before we go to the back and indulge in food and fellowship. Can we just spend some time seeking him? Maybe some of you here tonight need a fresh perspective. You can get it tonight. Will you come and spend some time worshiping him?